and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm your host this week, I'm Stephen Wilson and today we're going to be talking about the effects of social media on the wrestling industry. A very diverse topic and one with so much to talk about which we'll hopefully get through most in this next hour and a half. But before we talk about that, I'm going to introduce you to my lovely panel this evening who are on the edge of their seats to talk about Facebook. Uh, please give us a follow on our social medias, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Simplex Retweet. Please also subscribe to our bonus feed, that Suplex Retweet Extra, where you can hear some fantastic bonus content, such as The Raw Report, 4-Way Fatal, Wednesday Night Wars, Saturday Draft Live, and so much more. But enough of that for now, let's talk about this particular show and meet today's panel. First, some people say that Twitter brings out the worst in people. Which is why this guy loves it so much, as it makes him look really normal in that environment. It's Gary Kiernan. Oh, thank you, Stephen. <laughs> uh, the toxic environment of Twitter allows me to thrive. <laughs> and I'm incredibly popular on Twitter <laughs> as well. That is very, very true, actually. <laughs> uh, up next, when you go on to LinkedIn, you see so much great professional things. But there's often a lie thrown in there now and again that's not often true, which exonifies this next man and his whole profile. It's David Hockney! <laughs> <laughs> What's the lie, dare I ask? Oh, well! <laughs> I know, I'm a, very, uh, I'm a very honest man about my... Especially when, when I'm on LinkedIn, because you've got to be super professional. Adrenaline junkies aren't in bed before midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you could see skiing first thing in the morning. Quite right, Mr. Bond. You <laughs> <laughs> should calm yourself, Mr. Bourgeois, over there. <laughs> on that note, move on. Uh, some people often say that you should keep your mums, your parents, the elderly people off of Facebook. So when this man often sends me a thumbs up message all the time, I wonder, he's uh, young and he shouldn't be doing that. I bet he also does a poke now and again. Alan McLucas, everybody! <laughs> oh, you only complained the last time I poked you. Bravo. Bravo. Moving on. Uh, Instagram. It's a great place to see pictures of people's dinners. Let's hope this next particular person does not tweet a picture of her jam sandwich with, with hashtag peace and jam or the other way about. As it should have been five bots that. Still agree. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to start again? <laughs> no, I do not. I'm sticking with that. I do not repeat things. Uh, uh, I'll take a picture of my jam sandwich, thank you very much. Let's not get into that. Hashtag peace and jam. Hashtag jam sandwich. That does not help Sarah's case. The fact that you I don't want you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, people associate Pinterest with very colourful images that you can see very quickly. Just like this man's wrestling merchandise co- closet. It's Grant McRobbie. That, that was just actually too accurate, that. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the intros weren't. Have you seen David's LinkedIn? I thought it made me brutal than that. <laughs> I tried to go with this whole social media thing and then I got I ran out of social medias. <laughs> I guess when you went Pinterest. Pinterest's <laughs> <laughs> not a social media, Dave. Yeah, that's a, that's that's an iffy subject, David. It could be, it could not be. I was close to Tinder, mm-hmm. which you would have had a much more savage intro. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel safe now. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, much like Snapchat, a brief five seconds is enough for the, of this man. Quacku, Adji, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen. Although I must say, you probably won't even be in my top 8,000. I don't use Snapchat, I don't really know where you're them. Facebook, you dick. <laughs> that sounds like MySpace. <laughs> oh yeah, it's MySpace. <laughs> Bunchamania. <laughs> what a fine start to this show. <laughs> Watch is all round. Let's get on to talking about the actual social media. <laughs> so, I've went with four particular sections of social media which should, they could go in quite a lot of depth, which we'll talk about over the show. I'm going to start off with actually the main depth of wrestling, which is obviously KFEB and how the industry has been affected by social media itself. And what we think we've found, uh, Dave, I'll go to you in this particular one, is with the whole increase in social media, mm-hmm. we seem to have a lot of increase from a lot of people in inside knowledge that we may have not saw 20 years ago. Yeah, definitely. You know, you get a lot of uh, aspiring journalists who try and get the, the inside scoop for whatever articles to go on. But, and that sort of led to the, the rise of dirt sheets and, <coughs> you know, reports within various media outlets. So, it doesn't matter how secretive you try to be about the art of kayfabe, there's always going to be rumours or spoilers floating around that kind of, kind of puts an inkling in your mind. But, it, again, it takes away some of the surprise from the, from the entertainment. Yeah. Gary, you were the guy who started watching wrestling before there was computers. Uh, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> what do you think about this whole the, the increase in spoilers that you can see pretty much in, in an instant? Oh, this, the spoiler thing drives me crazy for so many reasons. The people that want to ruin the big moments, that all those little leaks we got about, oh, Edge is coming yeah. back. You know, just keep it to yourself. Don't ruin it forever. There's a reason people don't share the Strictly Come Dancing spoilers. That's record. That's not. That show's not live on a Sunday night, but yet the the show the spoilers don't get out there. There we go. Gary gets up to the weekend. Oh, don't, don't you all watch Strictly? No, no. Oh, yes. Yeah, see, grandson. You watch Bake Off, Stephen. Nothing wrong with Bake Off. Yeah, Bake Off's all right. Can I just say, you bringing up Strictly Come Dancing always makes me want you to bring up this right now. Oh, well. <laughs> just the same. See when, you, see when you talk about Bake Off, actually, Gary. See, because that's a pre-recorded show. See, because I work in a journalism office. Yeah. We've got like a system where they've got all these stories that are pre-done. Yeah. It's like got an embargo on it, so see every woman every Wednesday afternoon when I go into that system it's just like ah such and such is spoke about going up and bake off yeah. but the, with on a more serious point leaving Strictly to one side we can come back to that we can do a, a Strictly special on the show sometime <laughs> um, but the more serious point it is it feels nearly impossible to avoid the spoilers so Raw on Monday night hadn't watched it well, didn't sit up to four in the morning to watch it but yet, by midday, I had seen so many things that happened about Shayna and um, uh, MVP's lounge and so on. It's like, oh. and and in the media, the organisation WWE, WWE, and Fox Twitter account, BT Sports, they feed it because they want people to consume the content that they are putting out that they're chopping up into little bits to try and get folk engaged in the product. But it's becoming more and more difficult yeah. to avoid them, and it's driving me crazy. Yeah, Alan, uh, Gary talks about the fact that you go on the, the social media the next day and you see everything. Mm. You've said very vocal to us in the past that you can't 
watch the likes of Raw till maybe later in the week. So yeah. you, you obviously agree with the frustration Gary has in this particular Absolutely, because something it's usually maybe on a Wednesday or Thursday I get around to watching Raw and SmackDown was on on a Tuesday, no maybe the Friday. And it, it just felt redundant watching it because I knew when it happened. Yeah. I knew pretty much every move it happened because half the time like WWE are guilty of this. They they put the match on for free Facebook. And like the, the worst one I feel WWE ever did, and it's not just a big WWE, AEW, even to extent ICW do it as well. Daniel Bryan's return. That was a huge mistake. They announced it. Yeah, it was a great buzz. But imagine him just coming out thinking he's a GM and he goes, I'm cleared. The social media would have still exploded and people would have missed what a minute of him talking beforehand before they announced it. That, and that would have been I think that deserves it much further and it would have been, yeah. had a much bigger impact and yeah. that's a really good point Alan because actually if you see today WWE have announced that John Cena is coming back on the 28th of February yeah, exactly. the surprise returns are becoming less and less of a thing mm-hmm. in the Attitude Era there's no way that any of those things would have been announced they'd have appeared because people were watching the product now they've got to do things to get people to mm. tune into the product mm-hmm. um, just two quick things the last genuine surprise shock return that I had no inkling of was Shane McMahon coming back when Shane McMahon was amazing yes. yeah. <laughs> when Stephanie was getting a prize whatever bad thing and Shane came out, there was nothing online, even like the hardest was a loud one, however you knew the contract was up at Ring of Honor so then, <laughs> yeah, that yeah but there was a lot of rumours, there was nothing really confirmed but still, but still had you, li- you lived in hope, but the way it was delivered was so good, because you so genuinely good. thought New Day, they're in their gear, are coming down to yeah. take on the match, absolutely but you still had that, like, yeah it's like a 1%, but it's, it, it, it dented it slightly, for me anyway my but, own opinion, but not it didn't stop me enjoying the moment. No, no. See, I would flip this maybe on the opposite side of things. The guys have mentioned all these things about spoilers, but with the whole thing about Twitter nowadays and Facebook, we see a lot of the increase in what we see in general media of the whole fake news thing as well, oh, which yeah. gets people, which kind of eats into the whole spoiler thing and kind of makes people a lot more irritated when it comes to social media and wrestling, the whole thing, like people just saying things for the sake of it. I'm getting tired with social media and wrestling. Like, I'm not going to lie. When it comes to like this whole thing, it just it takes away the entire joy you get out of it. I mean, like I was saying to you, I was saying to you earlier in the week that I feel like I'm falling out of love with wrestling because there's so much spoilers going on and people making up fake news or oh, some this like this person's dog told me this. He's like, oh, but he was in the he was in the boardroom. He was in the boardroom. It's like enough with it. Just actually enough with it because. Nothing like like the guys have said. Like nothing seems sacred anymore, and it's just now gone to the point. You're just like, right, okay, but when's it gonna happen? Oh, okay, seeing that come out of my off, no bother. And you just, it's just like a sort of meh moment. You're like, and <coughs> that was it. But uh, Grant, as well, thing about it is you hear rumours as well that a lot of the guys in the back apparently gone to speculation they kind of help feed these type of things there's a lot of rumours going about about when the Bucks and Kenny Omega were in New Japan that they were the guys feeding Dave Meltzer so it's kind of like there's a bit of an interaction in terms of that I mean they definitely need to be getting it from somewhere Meltzer used to be quite credible but then they also had that whole talk of where people giving them false rumours just to throw them off then you get the likes of your Brad Shepherds who just like to Nostradamus it do not mention his name it's like Voldemort on this particular show <laughs> I feel, I feel dirty just saying that name. 
Gonna wash myself now. That, <laughs> that's why I do it with Jim Cornette. I call it Bornette, so I don't feel like I'm saying his actual name. I'm but you just his said his name. name. <laughs> I know, but Bord, I couldn't turn that with Bornette because it just but bores me. The rumor kept, there's too many rumors, and even the way like, I, I don't need to know what everyone's contract's going to be. I don't want to know how long the contract is, how much money they make. That's their business. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like the Killer Cross spoiler. That was he's meeting with Triple H. <laughs> I mean, to put it bluntly, we're watching wrestling to be entertained. It's in the title, sports entertainment. There's no entertainment, you know, everything's coming up. The thing about it, you were mentioning, you were mentioning Meltzer there. The good one that riled me the other day about it was, uh, i seen it online that somebody put up, I, uh, I won't mention the name of the publication, but just said, rumour, Goldberg to beat the Fiend at Super Showdown. Boo. And you actually, no, and you actually go into the article, and the article's pretty much said, Meltzer said this on his, on his podcast, and it just said, I think that, 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 that Goldberg winning this would be such and such, and it's like, that's not a rumour. That's an <laughs> that's opinion. Like, that's opinion. Like, if I went round and asked all yous, who's winning a Super Showdown, Goldberg versus The Fiend? The Fiend. The Fiend. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's go on the website and put a rumour up going, Fiend to beat Goldberg at Super Showdown. Mm. See, that, that's what I hate about these sort of dirt sheets and stuff. Like, a lot of them seems to be based around opinion pieces. But, and this is the thing with social media nowadays, that like you get it on YouTube, you get it on you know, online articles, like like written pieces from various sites. If you get a catchy title or something that captures the imagination, people are going to click on it. And that's all they're really after. It's for clicks. The more clicks you get, the more revenue yeah. they generate. And it's the same with YouTube as well. You know, you could you know, have a, a fancy thumbnail image and a, a really eye-catching title. But when you click on it, you know, it, it might not be what you expect, but it doesn't matter. But also, uh, some of these guys... Journalists, I know there's guys, there's women involved in as well, that are doing that, they don't get paid for it. So, you're kind of like, why are you making this up? What is, what's your point? You just want to see the world burn? You know, just a quote of the Dark Knight, for your film. But, <laughs> like, why? What's your point in doing it? I get it if you're like, those who shouldn't be named who maybe get, I don't know, 0.6 pence for a click and they need to come up with something to try and get a million clicks, whatever, to try and make some revenue. I get that. But, mm-hmm. when you're not getting anything for it, what's your point? Yeah. Dave touched on a point there which is goes beyond wrestling media and just falls into media in the round. There is a difference between news and opinion and the two of them are what presented as one and the same now. You turn on any you know, especially in American news shows, you turn them on, it's opinion you're getting all the time, the talking heads, so mm-hmm. on. So there's a real difference between news, news and opinion. I remember back in the day when Stephen talked about um and one of the most credible blogs I remember seeing, I remember waiting on a Friday you'd, when JR's blog got posted on WWE.com because I was like always packed full of of information. And back then there wasn't many sites that you could do it on because most of them were were printed publications. Such I remember I used to subscribe to Power Slam magazine and get that through the post. That was a great magazine. Uh, um, so there was lots of things like that you would do it but the whole you know in, in wrestling circles you hear about telegram telewrestler a way to get news out there that's not really any different to any other sports there's leaks for whatever sport you can think of there's leaks even in politics leaks people trying to get their spin plant their seeds out there to tell people to do it but the use of the word uh, dirt sheet is something that grains on me because I, I think it's something to belittle uh, media which isn't owned by wrestling organisations fan media 
across all spectrums is growing enormously at the moment and there's this push in football at the moment for fan media to be given the same access rights as the traditional media you find that even in and wrestling's already doing it uh-huh. you sometimes find that you still find that even at a lower level you, in wrestling though you still find sometimes the access isn't quite the same yeah. as the likes of like I mean, you get the likes of, I'll use the name as an example. Dave Meltzer is always going to be the one reference because Meltzer was the first guy back all the years ago. He was the mm-hmm. one sending out the newsletters and everything that at all. But uh, granted, David mentioned as well, Alan mentioned said name, who will not be mentioned again on this particular pod. Oh, no, it was you, sorry, sorry not Alan. Sorry. Don't bring me down. <laughs> sorry, Alan. Uh, you mentioned that I'm going to come to you on this one. It seemed like kind of the rise of the wannabe journalist. This whole thing with the, <laughs> these type of dumb sheets. They kind of go. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, it's Can I just interrupt you? On his feet, he said he's not a journalist, he's an insider. Yes, but. but he's also a misogynistic pig. <laughs> that's very, that's very true. <laughs> but it has kind of. You have seen the kind of rise of these guys, uh, pretty much. There's a lot of these type of sources, or these type of Twitters on Facebook who will get a rumour and then kind of post it out without actually doing any form of journalism. They don't really have any sort of sites around. Just just guess it, try and do the whole Nostradamus routine. Oh, I said that, but I actually meant that. No, I'm going to change my story. It's like, so which one is it then? But here's my paper trail of how I told you that it was all going to get announced and then go on a big, massive, expletive-filled rant, which you can listen to. It, don't don't waste <laughs> your time with it, honestly. It just, it's the worst. It's See, that's the other thing. It's just picking yeah. up paper trail of other people as well. That's not you doing your research. That's just you piggybacking off somebody and trying to put your own twist on it you know just whether it's just to provoke a reaction and stuff and I, I really hate that it's like a huge pet peeve Sarah you're really critical of those type of sites that kind of just collate everything together you're, like, you're quite a fan of the original content type idea yeah no I am I mean see if anything gets published online I'm usually the sort of person I refuse to believe it until it comes from like in, in my eyes a credible source so see if it comes from like a various thing I'm looking at it going Nah, that doesn't quite look right. Nah, do I trust it? Because mm. at the end of the day, it is just someone looking for hits, in my opinion. I mean, there's some things that are said, oh, her, you know, Voldemort is what I'm going to call him. I'm not even going to acknowledge his name. Um, and it's like people like that saying, oh, but this person says, like, I don't give a fuck what that person says. Because at the end of the day, if you have a look at, like, their content online, it is some of the most bullshit crap that I've ever seen in my life and I'm sitting there going I write for a hobby and I write opinion pieces as a hobby that no one would ever dare say this is what's going to happen because of my opinion so I don't see why people are going to be like oh well this person said this it's like yeah but did it actually come from the horse's mouth so if anything like if there's any press releases on www.com then maybe I might believe it but if it comes from like ringside news or something I'm like eh I'm gonna hold out and wait. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty, a very accurate statement on that one. But another aspect, actually, that's a wee bit different that we've not actually talked about, Alan, mm-hmm. is you find that we talk about in the attitude there. I mentioned that one where you had absolute devout, uh, not devout, absolutely hated heels mm-hmm. that you would hate to kind of see. Do you feel now, kind of, the way social media works and the way people are, the way they're trying to generate, people are more interested in being a cool heel so they can get all the Twitter followers up? as opposed to being an actual bad guy. I bet, yeah. I mean, you know, the best thing that can come to my mind is MGF. So MGF, absolutely, I've seen one today. So a girl who's devoted, I can't remember her name, I told her, but she devoted her whole Twitter to being a massive fan of MGF. And he retweeted her, and he burned her, senseless. 
to the point everyone was like, oh my god, that's savage. But she loved it. Mm-hmm. And she had like, right, so he's keeping the real heel character. I know he's a guy, apparently, he's in character 24 7, but like Macho Man was back in the day. But then you get Baron Corbin, who kind of goes and ruins it for himself. Where, and it's not and it's not a bad thing what he's done it's just it ruins the character so he's obviously this bad heel with the dog food and all that nonsense but there was one a couple of months ago where there's a, a guy who wants to go and see him I think it's in Iowa yeah. and he was saying he's got agoraphobia he's got list of these phobias and he's like nothing's going to stop me seeing my hero Baron Corbin and Baron seen it and wrote uh, don't worry about that you just DM me and the next time you're in town I'll pick you up and bring you to the arena and you're like, that's a, it's an amazing thing, don't get me wrong, it's a brilliant thing for a fan experience, you're not any better, but then for the rest of the perspective, the character ruins them. You flip, if you flip it the other way, from what you said, the other one is uh, Seth Rollins last summer, WWE Champion, having a Twitter wall with Will Ospreay. I wonder where you were going with Seth Rollins and social media for second there. That's for later. Thought we were talking about that later. I think we're getting the biggest one of them all. The Undertaker. With Stone, what, what's it? Stone Malone or whatever? No, what's his name? Malone. No, it's Post Malone. Post Malone, Malone, yeah. That's like that. How's, how's Stone Malone's the guy with face like PPW. That's TV Dominic. It's got Malone in it, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not down with Stone the Cold music. Stone Malone. <laughs> But um, Alan mentioned uh, the MJF example. Well, Champa was a really good example of somebody sticking to the line because he went uh, went after his heel turn. He went quiet on social and sort of really. Champa was that fantastic at it. Yeah, like he, I don't, like he had no, he he wasn't following anybody. His picture was just like a black screen, mm-hmm. and the amount of commitment he put into it. It's probably the best example I've seen of... Photoshop and Johnny Gargano's tw- uh, wedding pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, right up until the point where he comes out at TakeOver New Orleans, just as zero music, he is getting the most nuclear heel reaction I've ever seen like, anybody get in a very long time. And that just goes to show that you, some wrestlers can use it to their advantage, but when you sort of... I think when uh, when Alan said, if you blur the lines between your kayfabe character and your actual, your actual sort of real life, it does ruin it a bit, like especially case in point, Baron Corbin. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes people, that's a lot of things I see criticism. I don't mean to constantly reference them, but they're a great example of social media. The Young Bucks get a bit of criticism for that as well, mm-hmm. the way they use their, their more of a popularity thing, which when they were on Twitter. Yeah, and then they eventually pulled out of it after yeah. what was really a mental break. They said they needed to think they've still got some links and like Instagram and that, but they took a big step back because they just. They needed time to recover. Stephen, we were mentioning spoilers earlier on, and you can see WWE as an example of embracing them in many instances. So when we had the recent example of the uh, Rey Mysterio Andrade title change at a house show, they really emphasised that on social. So, you know, the, the promotions themselves are guilty of, of inflaming the fans. Didn't that happen before as well? Was it NXT? Was NXT it, um, one, what, when Samoa Joe and Balor? They also did it when Champa beat Black. Yeah. They put it up on their social media, even though NXT was pre-recorded it. No, it was Joe and Nakamura, I think. Was that it? Yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember which one it was. And at the UK Championship yeah. tournament uh, at the Royal Albert Hall, when Moustache Mountain won the NXT tag titles, <laughs> we, we were obviously live tweeting that, that night and we got people giving us stick because we tweet about <laughs> it and then we, our response was, check WWE's Twitter account <laughs> so it's an interesting one in terms of the way KFEB was I think it's said it, it, it can work in terms of actual that but there's a lot of points here kind of just like it's not more you, maybe a bit more awareness of the fans in terms of those who are not watching live or not all 
based in America. We are Brits. We watch these things between one and four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely knackered. Staying up to watch WrestleMania until the sun comes up. <laughs> but an- another thing about wrestling as well with social media is it's kind of changed not just wrestling but just in general of how you market your product. And I think with wrestling is in particular something we kind of see a great shift in. Um, Gary, I'll start with you as a guy who does a bit of marketing in a kind of day job. You kind of see how differently wrestling has actually been put out there with the social media stuff. Absolutely. I was listening recently to one of Bruce Pritchard's podcasts and he was talking, I think it was WrestleMania 17, I might be misremembering, but their big promotional tool for that event was they had a partnership with Pizza Hut and everywhere in in the state of Texas you got a Pizza Hut delivery, you had a WrestleMania flyer on the on the pizza box and they for them this was massive uh, but if you think, think the way that things have changed and we talked on the show last week about announcing names for certain events to get a bump in your ticket sales but generally in marketing now you're kind of thinking of your earned media your bought media and your owned media and the big change there is your earned media back in the day it was really your bought media you pay for adverts. You also had a wee bit of your own media. You had your own website, your own mailing list. But now it's that earned media. The things that you can put out there, the content that you create that people will engage with, whether that be uh, comments, whether that be articles, whether that be quizzes, send us your pictures. I mean, and at my day job, we've been doing some of that recently with uh, an initiative we have had where we're getting really great engagement with people sharing their own memories of going to football. But yeah, that's the the earned media is the new bit. Actually, you can you can market an event without having to buy advertising space and other publications. You can get people that or or platforms and channels that target a specific audience, and that audience might not have anywhere near the distribution list as a traditional newspaper, for example. But speaking directly to the people that you're interested yeah. in. I think what interests me, I ask Quacky about this one as a man who uh, ring announces for various promotions in, the, in Scotland. Where I think it's fair to say they still they do a lot, still do a lot in terms of the flyering. Oh yeah. Are you st- are you seeing from being working for these promotions that they're more embracing of social media, particularly like the fierce females? I think it's fair. To yeah, say. well, very much so. Like, um, and particularly Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter seems to be the biggest uh, of all the major platforms. Twitter seems to be the biggest one. Where you get the most engagement from wrestling fans. So, and in fact, you get the term thrown around. You get the casual fans. So that's the fans that you entice with your flyering, your postering, and you get the talents going around to the local area that are actual flyering. So they actually get to meet the wrestlers, and the kids get excited that they're seeing um, like this guy or this woman or this person or whatever. And then you get the internet fans, which is the people you want to target on social media, the people that have already liked different wrestling promotions, and you want to basically entice them to. Um, because there could be like another event happening somewhere else, or they could be having plans to go on a date or whatever. You want to entice them to come to that wrestling show on that day to go and see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary actually mentioned the Sarah Ivan point we talked about last week in terms of the, the announcing of a particular uh, acts for the show in, yeah. in advance. And I know last week, in terms of the Square Go match, you were quite critical at that point, but at the same time, I think we've seen at times that in terms of marketing an event, maybe for a lot of these type of promotions we don't see so often, announcing a big name on a sort of social media like that can work particularly well. A great example was in this last week at time of recording, where OTT have 
presumably an inch job obviously for the next event a great buzz on online so it shows how it can work in that way yeah i think it also um Shugs 4 when it was night one and they announced no one was coming back for one night only that sold out that entire night and it's just that announcement because that enticed not only the casual fans the internet fans but it's also past fans that have maybe fallen away from it and then it's just like well, it's also announced one night only I know that's not been the case now um, but when it's announced for like one night only that's again what and took all the casual fans to fear and loathing when you had like the likes of Rob Van Damme and Rey Mysterio because people know these names and it does help especially when you are looking to sort of attract the internet fans if you bring out that big name and advertise it on that because at the end of the day everyone has got social media in some shape or form or access to social media so it's the easiest most efficient and quickest way plus it's free as well so yeah that's that's, that's definitely a grant you're a fan of the guy the boys and shouting for it oh, name, yeah. name i still can't pronounce uh, down south who i think like with the young bucks that we've maybe talked about a bit later on they're using their, their, these social media channels and just you you mentioned in the past how quickly these boys are selling out shows yeah, i mean that's it. i mean when they took that over they're pretty much their only source is Twitter. There's no Facebook posts. They share some stuff through Instagram on their own personal accounts, but really it comes down to Twitter. <coughs> and lately they've started doing the live streams on Twitch, which have been a big thing. Like Eddie Kingston appearing on the live stream last week, biggest surprise of them all. Suddenly he's against Kyle Fletcher. But, I mean, there's record is selling out. When I the last show I went to, the tickets sold out in less than two minutes. Chris Brooks' final show is one week today as of recording. Sold out 230 tickets in 42 seconds. Name a big promotion that can do that in the UK. And this is just literally <coughs> five guys and some others just having fun. Yeah, definitely. And Alan, what the, the guys have said so far, pretty much one of the great things about it. You, there is obviously, you can't put money into it, but you can do so much of this easy marketing without it actually costing you and having such an expanded reach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to the extent you can say it kind of works for ICW. Because they were able to move from like sort of the Barrowlands and I don't know if they did SWDC before, but they got into the Hydro for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, people can turn and say hey, the Hydro wasn't a success, it never sold all out, but the first year I wouldn't call it a failure. 6, fans for the first a UK, year was it 9,000 or something like that. It's the biggest wrestling show in European history. You know, it's incredible. Um, people could argue about how they marketed you know, the second and the third one. You know, it's, that's not really the point, but. It definitely works in your favour, and you know, it, it certainly helps. And it's see for international audience as well, like WrestleMania. Since they grow for social media, you're now seeing more international fans going to WrestleMania and taking over Raw the next night. So it's been a big thing because I think if you go back maybe 10, 12 years before really any social media, you'd have a handful of foreign fans possibly. Especially from Europe, it wasn't it wasn't entirely the same. I mean, mm-hmm. David's the the host of the Wednesday Night Wars and the Suplex Retweet Extra Feed. Mm-hmm. Nice wee plug. <laughs> uh, regular watcher of the likes of Kenny Omega, Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that the, this whole social media in terms of marketing, I think as good as they are, would they have had the same international reach that they have now to be able to? get that behind and start a company type idea? No, probably not. And I think Alan brought up an excellent point, whereas, you know, say back in sort of early to mid-2000s, you know, events such as WrestleMania, they were only selling out like regular-sized venues, you know, to the tune of maybe 15, 16,000 people. But see, when you got towards the time when things like Facebook and Twitter were launching, you know, they were moving to big 
open air arenas where you could fit 70, 80,000 people. And I think that goes to show that on these social media platforms where you're free, it not only reaches out to an audience in your own country, but it expands worldwide. It encourages people to watch the product. And I hadn't even knew, didn't even know about uh, New Japan until about maybe say 2013 because I was so invested in WWE at the time. And you know, seeing the likes of Kenny Omega, Okada, uh, Naito, these sorts of people, like there's so much more talent worldwide and stuff. And the fact you know these guys like Kenny Omega, the Bucks, they've set up AEW as a result because of its worldwide popularity. A lot of that does come down to social media and showing how good they are, uh, not just wherever they perform. I would love to do a, a watch along on the Suplex Retweet extra feed of you watching a New Japan show. Hey, I'm glad uh, to say that you put this up. Quacky, you got the point. Uh, see, I'm hearing so many names about their social media reaches and stuff like that. So, Schadenfreude, is that how you pronounce it? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Sorry, my German's not good. It's always not German. And then the Young Bucks and all that. Now, if you compare their followers compared to like the WWE superstars, WWE superstars have way more followers, but the difference is, is that the likes of the indie, they have more committed followers that would basically, I mean, for example, um, I'm guessing all of us here follow and get followed by John Cena here. No, yeah, no yeah. I don't. No. Oh, okay. Mr. Popularity on Twitter over there. Not followed by Cena. The people that <laughs> follow. No, he just can't see him. I don't. I don't. <laughs> fo- I don't follow Mr. Cena either. So, but you know, the people, his loss. The people here that follow or get followed by John Cena. Think of the last thing you shared a post of his, and think about the last thing you liked or shared a post from a Scottish indie wrestler. And that kind of tells you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the point. Huh? Yeah, it was just picking up on Dave's point from an international perspective. One thing it has that's been really beneficial with its marketing, it has killed this ignorance that you had to be an American to be a professional wrestler to get to the top. Because before that, obviously WWE still have the excellence of everything in wrestling. And I think you can ask the guys in AEW, would you go to WWE and be the top guy if they gave you? I think they would jump and go, why? Of course I would. But now, with the likes of New Japan coming up, the fact that AAA, Ring of, okay, Ring of Honor signing up, a mix of European and US, at least it's uh, Joe Henry, you get Martha Session as well. Session Martha Martina. Session Martha Martina. 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 So, that sounds like her ball. Session <laughs> 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 Martha. Sorry, it's been a long day at work. Um, it's, killed this, it's killed the ignorance that you have to be an American to get to the top of wrestling or be successful in wrestling. So that's one aspect of social media has been really good at. Because, like Dave, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have known about New Japan social media and look at this year as well Liam look who's going to be main event in Wrestlemania one of Scotland's own top guys a few people have mentioned about social media being free and yes it is but it's not really if you're going to do it well uh, because you need to spend some time mm-hmm. creating the content and managing the feeds whether or not you're going to react or how you're going to react to the posts and monitor what's being said and how you amplify certain things and how you spot moments um, that you can piggyback on to. For example, I remember uh, an organisation I worked in, we piggybacked on this guy, Felix Bumgardner, when he jumped from the outrage <laughs> space. Yeah. We had yeah. a skydiving event to promote and we got huge traction on the back, back of that. Um, but if you think of the costs 
to place an advert or a billboard or something like that. You you know, you can take the thousands of pounds that that might have cost you and get a huge amount of digital space for that. And you can be very prescriptive about it with your targeted ads. You, you know, the way you cookies, I'm sure how many people have gone on to look at something and you find the advert chasing you about the internet. Program, pro- programmatic advertising. Yeah, and it's the same, you know, it, you can do it. And with Twitter, you know, the life cycle of a tweet is very short. We're talking about seconds, the way people go through their, their feeds. So you can re- the yeah, and you could so you can recycle the content. I, I worked in organisations where people would say, "Oh well, we we sent that tweet at five o'clock on Tuesday. That will send it again. It was good content. You can't assume that everybody will have seen it at that particular time." Business corner with Gary Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing that kind of I think falls into marketing that a lot of people actually said, and we may talk about the other side of things. But at the same time, a lot of people say with the whole Twitter. You get that type of community feed to it, which helps uh, bring more eyes to products and type of thing. Grant, you went to a lot of shows down south where you've said these type of things when you post these type of things on social media. Yeah, I mean, going back to the first time that I went and made a trip down south for a for a show, Progress Chapter 69, best number. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was through a few people in a, re- in a Facebook group and then I joined the Progress Fans group. They had a meet-up for newbies, quite mm-hmm. a few promotions. That TNT are quite big for one of their, like their ring announcer. Mike Angus likes to organise, get everyone together a couple hours before, get a few drinks in, and you know, make a community, even Twitter, we talked about it, 16 carat. Someone's made a spreadsheet so everyone can load into the spreadsheet, say who's going, where they're staying, get people together, because we're all there for the same thing, so... Well, it's better to encourage that we all... That's fantastic. Is putting where you're staying a really, really good idea? In a private group, I think. It's not like in the actual hotel room, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think the hotel room number. I mean, plus, on the flip side, you sometimes you get the opposite. I mean, I went to all in completely my own. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anyone else that was going. But if you're going there for the same thing, social media was how I actually ended up talking to a few people and still have friends from all the way over there. I mean, yeah, Sarah as well. I mean, that was one of the times you had your first interactions with the podcast in terms of that by interacting on social media as well. Yeah, because, well, this is how I actually got involved. I was like, listen, I was actually a listener. Um, before, like, I know that Quacko had invited me on, like, a good couple of times, but I, that's how I got involved, and it was, like, just sharing, picking you guys up, like, in, in, like, a way, um, and, like, that's how, like, we ended up being, like, such good pals, because, like, the only person I actually really knew before even this all started was Quacko. But Quacko just obviously seems to know everybody. Yeah. But <laughs> you do, you don't lie. You were so nice and something just made me sound like a pure like Alan's a man who Alan's wife's fairly for he seemed to just walk in and talk to this random couple who apparently was related to but, but yeah, so but this is how like especially because we all know that I didn't even live in Glasgow up until like a few weeks ago. I stayed in Edinburgh, where the wrestling scene only really has discovery and then you had to branch out to like Reckless, etc. So the wrestling scene was not that big on where I come from. So it gave me like a sort of sense of belonging because they, and like we've all seen what's happened, like because of wrestling, like I wouldn't have met my boyfriend, I wouldn't have moved, I wouldn't have got like a whole bunch of great pals. Like my life would not be the way it is right now because like unless I had social media. That's how I met everybody. When I first went to my own ICW show back from back when I actually started going back because my pal ditched me um, I actually was going by myself and had a spare ticket to sell 
and this is how I met half the people that I now know at ICW because I just got over myself essentially and just posted on the Facebook event group and just said look I'm selling a ticket can anyone just like you know be my pal for the day because I, I didn't know anybody and this is how basically I know so many people that it made me want to come back and it, it gave me a sense of friendship that I never thought I could actually get so in some ways sharing stuff on social media does help Absolutely. And you see, just building Sarah's point, you see wrestlers doing that as a way of promoting themselves, promoting their availability and enhancing their characters. And we've seen some people get over now. It's not necessarily worked for them. Zack Ryder's maybe a really good example when he did that. Internet champion, mm-hmm. the organisation that didn't get really behind them. But other people are using this as a vehicle for a really positive thing in addition to that fan culture, which I think is great. I'm thinking of people feeding into that. Gene Money, he's yes. been doing that outstandingly lately. Gene for Super, super Strong Style 16. Mm-hmm. That's uh, There was a Twitter account created yesterday for a toaster. <laughs> toaster probably, get toaster more, yeah. probably get more followers than me. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Oh yeah. Oh well. Did you have anything you want to follow up with the guys have said? Um... No, I think Sarah actually touched on something really good there. It's, that's the benefit of social media and wrestling, because not only does it market at an event, but I think it also brings fans together as so well. It doesn't matter from where in the world they're coming from. And it creates that sense of community as well. Like, I go on these sort of organized trips, uh, like, like I did at the end of last week, and I was going by myself, which I've done a few times before in the last few years. I wasn't expecting to you know, see somebody I recognise. I was only expecting to ever see, like, people I would meet for the first time, and I was right, because every single time I go, I always meet somebody for the first time. And But it's that sense of community that you're all there for the same reason. You know, it doesn't matter if it's you're, you're travelling, you're all into a particular sport, or you're all into the wrestling. Social media has that benefit of not only bringing people together, but it gets people excited and enthusiastic for it. And it benefits everybody at whole. It benefits the company for saying look how we brought everybody together and they're all having a fantastic time and individually uh, the fans can also just get as much out of it so it's a win-win for everyone Alan we saw actually a good example on this whole community thing the other week well, I think it was last week where uh, there was an American politician who was talking about um, something happening in some sort of congress and he went this is as fake as wrestling is yeah. and you kind of saw how the wrestling mm-hmm. fans on Twitter kind of came together regardless if they were AEW, WWE New Japan type idea well absolutely I mean we know wrestling's predetermined mm-hmm. we're not stupid we're aware of that but it doesn't it's like it seems a soap opera you know it's predetermined you still enjoy it, it's, still watch it. it's a movie you know when you go and you see you know like Batman you know Batman's going to win just how we went. What? Yeah, really? <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Spoiler. Why you doing that for me? Spoiler. <laughs> so, but, you know, and it, it, was, it was fantastic to see. And, okay, so wrestling might be an inverted commas fake, but do you know what? It has more credibility than most politicians. Yeah, we've seen that in various cases. And I'm talking worldwide. Yeah, I'm oh, just yeah. saying this for you, yes, worldwide. Yeah, def- definitely in that aspect of it. It's, it's just... There is a great feel to kind of that whole kind of community side. That helps with the marketing side because I think if somebody sees this kind of positive reaction online, they're all trying to feed into it, and that's why it'll help expand the kind of wrestling theme. We kind of saw that when Drew won the Royal Rumble, how that was marketed online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the guys were talking about like building moments round about it, that fan engagement. Well, WrestleMania is more than just going turn up, go to an event. 
and you know Grant talked about some of his trips south of the border to go to some events I've, I've been the same where, and it's a very different experience if you just go somewhere and go to the event and then leave whereas if you're able to engage with things go around it it becomes much more of an ex- the whole thing becomes much more of an experience and therefore much more a thing to be attractive to and if you can engineer and use the social to create that that's that's amazing is it kind of like when you went to SummerSlam this year and they had the whole or last year rather and you had the whole fan access you know you got to do meet and greets you got to check out the merch stands and let's just engage with other fans is that sort of the, the marketing aspect you're talking about uh, yes and no uh, certainly you know, that was the organisation putting that on. The things I was thinking about was more the, the fans. Kind of social and right, right. engaging it. And kind of like, um, building or people building things round about yeah. it. Like, kind of like a big football game, you know, you go for a pipe beforehand, that kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've also got to take into consideration, see when they actually market wrestling events, it's the one thing that's going to reach everybody in the quickest way and all in the one go. And again, it brings people to it. How many times do you see someone retweeting a match that's been announced for like ICW? And it's just like, this is going to be awesome. Hyping maybe up, like maybe it's their friends or maybe it's like really good talent. Like you just see them going, oh, this is going to be a great match. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, this is something like Kwaku, Andy Wilde and Alexander Dean. You even said yourself, like on, I don't know if it's a Facebook post or a tweet, but you said this is a match that I really wish for and now I'm actually getting it. And it's stuff like that. That it brings everybody together again because then you get like excitement over that or like people that you may have not realised are fans about things and you're like everyone getting excited. That's the that's the joy and the beauty of like that kind of marketing. Oh definitely said there's so much positivity there on the whole marketing side and I think we felt educated just listening to Gary. But that's us for the first half of our show we've talked about how it affects KFM and the marketing. Second half of the show, unfortunately we're going to have we'll touch upon a bit more of the negative and the controversial sides that really puts a lot of people off of wrestling social media so we'll talk about that in a bit and we'll also talk about how we can digest wrestling now in terms of social media how much different it is now than it was 20 odd years ago but before that, we're going to go a wee break we'll listen to Edge get frustrated with our computer we'll see you in a bit Hello, my name is Brandon Adams and I am Delson Dare we are the Deadly Sins and this is Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Well, tonight, folks, we have a first. Tonight, as my guest on the cutting edge, we have the anonymous Raw GM. Now, despite our acrimonious relationship, I actually do appreciate the GM agreeing to appear as a guest on my show. And I understand that this computer has been electronically transmitting this voice, so that's what it will continue to do, so as to keep this person's identity a secret. Now, with that being said, I think it's time to ask the first question. I, I need to ask you exactly, Rajim, why are you such a spineless coward? Why are you such a moron? I remain anonymous to protect my identity. If people knew who I really was, it would change everything. Okay, first of all, that's the worst voice ever. Second of all, I thought, I thought you were Stone Cold Steve Austin. Or, or, or I thought you were The Rock. Or maybe Shawn Michaels. Or Bob Barker. 
Uh, judging by your decision making, you're Lindsay Lohan after another bender. The only thing I know is, is that whoever you are, you are a big fat liar. Seriously, Edge, you hurt my feelings. Why do you have to hate, yo? I tried to make peace with you, but you clearly don't want that. You want a confrontation. Why? Why do you despise me so? Why do you despise me? Why do you keep interfering in my business? Why? Why am I arguing with the computer? We've gone from stone cold stunning Mr. McMahon on Raw to Edge arguing with the computer. You know what? That's it. I, I'm just going to go ask Chris Jericho exactly who you are. Jericho is bluffing. He knows nothing. However, I know a lot of things. Like your opponent. Right now. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. I, I don't have an opponent tonight. He, you know what? I, I'm, I talk to people. I, I'm sick of talking to an overgrown speaking spell. I'm out of here. Oh, it's time to rock and roll with the GOAT, David Campbell and Scott McLeod at Saturday Draft Live, the hottest show on Suplex Retweet Extra, where we run down the ESSR Fantasy League table with all the competitors, including Stephen Wilson, David Hockney, Ross McLeod, Alan McLucas, Stacey Smith, Gary Kernahan, Daniel Campbell, and even... Jack Graham. Yes, Jack Graham. Can't believe I said his name. But anyway, tune in Saturday Draft Live every Saturday on Suplex Retweet Extra. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm joined by Gary, Alan, Grant, Dave, and Sarah, and Quacko as well. And we are talking about social media and wrestling. Before we go back to the show, we'd like to thank the Deadly Sins for that lovely soundbite there. You can catch us speaking to the Deadly Sins on our Source Tag Team Tournament special coming out on the 24th of February, where we've got all the tag teams that'll be fighting for the Source Tag Team Championship. Right, back to the show. And we will talk about the next aspect of social media and wrestling, which, unfortunately, after talking about a very positive subject before the break, we're going to talk about the, the aspect of wrestling social media that people hate. It's the controversial and the negative aspects. Now, one of the things that we can see a lot in the world, actually, in terms of social media and these type of things, is people abusing their power or just abusing, you know, their gender and that type of stuff. And we do see that a lot with wrestling social media. Say, unfortunately, I'll go to you in this one as you have been the victim of said things by a couple of people in recent cases of said affairs. Yes, yes, and I'm not actually afraid to name and shame that it was the son of Doink the Clown <laughs> decided that it was going to slide into my DMs. I wanted to do a wee social experiment though, because I've, I've always just got like, due to my past experiences, I don't have much faith in wrestlers or the wrestling community in some ways like I just don't have that much faith so when I got this follow the other night I said to Daniel I was like right I'm going to follow him back and I'm going to see how long it takes for him to slide into my DMs 
60 seconds. 60 seconds it took from that to a hey with an eggplant emoji. I was just like, right, let's see where this goes. So like, just, I was like, right, no. And it got to the point where I was like, right, okay, I can chat, but as long as you didn't say anything inappropriate. You know what he asked me? He went, define the word inappropriate. <laughs> so I'm having to sit, I'm sitting there actually literally defining the word inappropriate. And to I'm the sign of doing the clown. To the sign of doing the clown, which honestly is a verified account and everything. I was like, bloody hell. But it was the fact that it was just persistent like winks or eggplants and I'm just like, dude, I don't give a shit. It got to the point I was just like, right, you're doing this to a wrestling fan. I was like, we can chat about wrestling, we can share a little bit about wrestling, nay bother. But the minute that you start sliding in and, and making like, what's the word I'm looking for? Pro- like, not even propositions, but kind of like that with, um, yeah, with, with emojis and I'm sitting there going, right, I've got a picture of my boyfriend and it also says that I write for this podcast and I'm sitting there going, you've actually got the nerve to come and do this to me. I was like, just just because I, I am female. See, uh, Alan, you talked in the first half about political type stuff in a different way. It's quite ironic that we're having this show around about the time we've had this huge recent political scandal mm. involving using your type of power in terms of this negative aspects in social media. So, to see something like Sarah Stone but to be involved in wrestling it is, it's quite, it can be quite off-putting for a fan mm. first of all I just say it's absolutely disgusting that that's happening you know and it's not it's, if, I, if I get all one to go and see a guy's cock there's porn let's just put it right it's porn just, there's no interest in DM sliding so they're also not pretty to look at <laughs> <laughs> fair enough as she says in a room full of men <laughs> you guys got for a female perspective. I'm going to give you a female perspective. She's, she's got a point. Fair enough. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's, it is tragic, you know, and especially a lot of people who seem to think they're untouchable, like Doink Jr., <laughs> uh, feel that because they're in this level of power and they may be a name player in wrestling somehow, they can get away with it. It's, 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 it's so wrong in so many moral and ethical lines. But it's good to see, you know, there is a heavy clampdown coming on in it now. Um, and something that I was wanting to bring a point up later on, but I'll bring it up now. But it's something we can discuss later on. I do feel that social media for wrestling does need to be regulated. Because some things are getting utterly out of hand, like a DM sliding, and some of the abuse will come up as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the, the examples that have been mentioned so far are probably to the more extreme parts of it but some of it is a bit more subtle but equally unacceptable we mentioned earlier on about people doing things on social media to to get themselves noticed to get themselves raise their profile to get booked I remember not too long ago there was a series of uh, Scottish wrestling or Scottish wrestlers sorry making infographics to promote themselves and then people were making fun of them people that I think should have known better that's that's unacceptable as well and actually should be encouraging people yeah. to to get out there and co- commending people for trying in this instance to, to make themselves so yeah this the unacceptable behaviour can be more subtle mm-hmm. yeah well um, I can absolutely say like um I have myself had some form of sliding 
I know you're, you're looking at me like that. Is, I think I think I'm the only one that nobody slides into my DMs. They are open. No, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too, guy. Don't worry. Uh-huh. Yeah, as are mine. I have had that, and I used to have a rule because I come from marketing and I do marketing. I used to have a rule that I don't get rid of like lists or people or contacts because eventually they may become useful when you don't yeah. expect it. However, there are some people I have had to block because of weird messages. I recently announced at an all-women show, Fierce Females, mm-hmm. and some of the... F- like, mm. you know things happen, but when you see it in black and white and they tell you... For example, a wrestler had her number on her Instagram account as... Not, like, advertised on the account, but it was, like, part of the login and- or something. And somebody took up on himself to take that number and start sending her text messages. And it's just that, like, I can't even fathom how... See if you, you wouldn't say, like, I, I could guarantee you eight times about there's nasty people out there. Eight times out of 10, the people that do these, we call them incels. The people that type these things out, do you actually think they would really go and say that face to face to the no, person? Absolutely. But no, they no think chance. they can say it with the screen but keyboard and the keyboard and the mm-hmm. you do get bad arse sorry, yeah. arsels out there. Just, just mm-hmm. didn't hold back, Quacker. Just go for it. Go for it. Dave, <laughs> Dave, your head was in your hands during that moment there. Yeah, I know I think Alan used the the, the right phrase there. It's keyboard warriors and that that veil of anonymity, you know, you get with social media, that's what people are using to their advantage. And that is arguably one of my biggest pet peeves about social media is that they can literally get away with saying anything, you know, whether they want to slide it in a person's DMs or they just want to be abusive in general. Like, and I know Gary sort of mentioned, you know, something a bit more less subtle, but still is just as bad. One thing that really drives me up the wall is this whole warfare between, you know, fans of WWE and AEW. And, you know, you just get people yeah. hurling abuse at each other, given you know, there's this clash between NXT oh, and AEW. I'll go into the talk about that type of opinion type thing in a minute. But uh, one thing, Grant, uh, I think Alan alluded to it as well. Um, you at least have seen when these type of allegations come out that companies are trying to clamp down on it. And then obviously there's nothing concrete happened to it. But we've seen what happened with uh, ICW and Gonzo when the allegations came out about Roly Gulak, you know, so they were yeah. quite quick to react with that. On the other flip side of things, there's certain things that happened recently in terms of the media based on stuff previously it's seen things kind of go back. I'm not going to mention names to target things out, but there is both people taking actions from it in the wrestling world and people kind of going back on the words of previous times. Oh yeah, I mean, there's linking in with all that that's happened. I mean, it's good to see that when these things happen, a lot of the good people do come together. I've seen threads of people calling out people for behaviour. Reddit group, not going to name the name of it, but it was explicitly trying to get hold of OnlyFans and nudes mm-hmm. of female wrestlers, ring announcers, wrestling fans. Absolute disgusting. A lot of them got called out to the point even police were apparently getting involved in some of it. Mm. It's a case of they don't seem to realise what they're doing is illegal, it's harassment, and oh, it's just all my, bloody disgusting. All my fans is technically intellectual property in a way. Type exactly. Ideas, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's, and it's a case of anyone that uses the argument, well, you put it out there, you deserve it, I'm sorry, but no, that does not float with me, that is yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Somebody mentioned earlier on about anonymity. That's easy for me to say. <laughs> anonymity, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you're leaving digital footprints behind what you put out there stays there and actually we've seen some examples recently look at Lars Sutherland in WWE 
some of his uh, homophobic comments from years and years ago being resurfaced and then fairly recently uh, his participation (laughs) that he was in some gay porn Mm -hmm. Um, you know these things you know stay there so people need to think very carefully about the impact of what they're doing and as Grant said people don't think they they are sat behind a computer they can say what they want no you cannot and these can have some serious repercussions mm. people will find a way like that yeah. Netflix documentary Don't F with Cats yeah. people will find a way to yeah. trace who you are if, if they are determined yeah. uh, con- consequences you know there's, there's going to be some uh, absolutely it's good that we've um, had quite a positive stance on t- not being uh, for this type of action, uh, we don't tolerate it tolerate it which is always good to it. Uh, well another aspect for me is um, there's a thing of when somebody's done something wrong there's an expectation for people that don't get that their offence is not targeted towards mm. they expect everyone else to forgive a case in point the Hulk Hogan incident mm-hmm. now I I've said my thing about it but I've had my opinion, I've said it, you can go and look up or whatever if you want to find out. However, there was actually a time where I was in a Facebook group with so many people in it and somebody brings up Paul Cogan and then they actually, the person without even saying anything or he just used the n-word, move on, without nobody saying that. So I just replied and said, oh thank you very much for informing me on how I should, yeah. I should respond to this. Yeah. And he just responded, no problem. The, <laughs> it's like, as if he was doing me a favour. One, one of the guys is actually quite vocal about that, it's Big E in the WWE locker yeah. room about that particular incident. Mm. Uh, I'll move on actually to what Dave kind of briefly brought up on, is the kind of, you were mentioning Dave, the whole thing between WWE and AEW. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the thing you kind of see in the whole idea of toxic environment of kind of Twitter and you f- I think a lot of people kind of sometimes feel when they go on Twitter the fear of expressing an opinion mm-hmm. because you, you're worried about how someone's going to react to said opinion. That's the worst thing about social media these days. It's like, you know, you're not trying to be malicious in some aspect. You know, you could just be a fan expressing your preference for one or the other. But what really, really annoys me is the fact that, you know, what gives the right for a fan of the other product to say, no, you're wrong, our our product is better. Like, it's not even your product, it's just you prefer the other side. And, like, there's no need for it because at the end of the day, we're all wrestling fans, we all love the wrestling. And sure, we might prefer one brand or another. I mean, sure, I'm supposed to be sort of impartial when it comes to hosting Wednesday Night Wars, but I do have a slight preference for NXT because... And Adam, baby. <laughs> you had to do it. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> well, not just uh, Adam Cole, but the rest of Undisputed Era and all of NXT as well, I might add. Like, you know, I, I could point. go on for days about that. There's, but there's yeah, a toxic environment on social media, and also when somebody sees Mr. Cole's film name when David's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. We're all wrestling. We can share opinions on each other. Like, you know, we encourage, you know, others to watch, try and watch both shows as much as we can. You know, say if I'm a if I've been a, a devoted NXT person for years, and someone says, "Oh, come have a look at AEW. It's got this person. It's got this person. They've got this storyline going on." I might be intrigued, but then I would not be keen to jump to AEW if somebody was like, "Oh, you're an idiot for watching NXT. We're watching the better show here. You're missing out." Like that would just put me off even more. So I think the message is just just don't be harsh to people. Don't be nasty to people. Just try and encourage people to sort of 
expand horizons, and that's what's going to bring everybody closer together. Yeah. So you went to chime in on that. I mean, I think like the I think David just put it nicely. In better terms, then to be a dick, right? <laughs> like that's going to get across to everyone else. It's like I seen a tweet the other day actually, and it was basically someone saying that because someone doesn't like a certain wrestler, they know absolutely nothing about wrestling. That's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff I hate online. I cannot stand it, and this is it's something I'm extremely vocal about. Like, I'm entitled to my own opinions. Quack is entitled to his own opinions. Me and him don't have the exact same taste when it comes to wrestlers, but I appreciate his opinions. It's like what um, Scottish Wrestling Network was saying about us on the podcast last week, how we all had a difference of opinion when it came to the square goal, mm-hmm. and yet we all were okay with it. We were like, well, no... Yeah, I don't agree with you, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong because everyone's got a different style. I mean, this is when I put out I put out my own tweaks. I was just like, you know what, I'm sick of this. And when I get sick of something, I'm just like, great, this is it. And it's it got to the point I was like, there are so many genres out there of wrestling because not everyone is going to like every single style of wrestling. I mean, I know there's people like Grant likes death uh, deathmatch wrestling. Um, but say say Quacku like Quacku prefers his fun style of wrestling. Dave prefers like just traditional kayfabe wrestling and all that sort of stuff, right? But at least they all respect each other. You're not going to turn around and say, "Oh no, well I, you're an idiot for liking that." How dare how dare you like that? Can I say I respect you for saying that, but I'm obviously more right. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah oh. talk- killed my point. Uh, so Sarah <laughs> talked about people have an opinion and everybody is absolutely entitled to their opinion but you do see on social media that if a fan expresses an opinion and somebody that works in the business doesn't agree with it and they're tagged into it they will point out to the fan that they're not entitled to have this opinion so an example just fairly recently you know to me Jim Ross is a, a legend he was the voice of my childhood think the man's great um, but somebody tweeted him recently and the guy's comment was you know it was the talk derogatory towards Jim Ross and his quality of his work in AEW and Ross tweets back something like um, do your 18 followers agree with you now the fact that the guy has a small number of followers on Twitter has absolutely nothing to do with his opinion opinion and I thought that was a you know shitty way of responding to See, it. I mean, the guy was perhaps didn't need to tag JR in the comment in the first place, but you know when uh, you're in public eyes, that just happened. That's an interesting one. Grant, another example that we kind of seen recently. I don't mean to keep bringing them in, but this is a great, this is an example of it. When uh, the criticism of the AW Women's Division was coming out, some of the stuff Kenny Omega was tweeting about just before the last pay per view about how people uh, pretty much say why people are criticising the women's division. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really, again, getting probably professional frustration let get the better of him. He could have said it in a better way, he could have taken the criticism in the nose better. But there's a lot of people that just can't take the criticism or the way they deal with it is the worst. Um, yeah. Good old, like, JC, when you put in, up anything that involves spot fests, we're not going to say JC's name out loud, but, you know, we've seen what his opinion, his opinion is. If he doesn't like something, he either becomes homophobic, racist aggressive, threatens to batter them about the place. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people at Jim Cornette's ready. Oh, I said the bloody name. <laughs> oh, dang it. Oh, up until then, I thought you were a bit smart should JC should say it. I was going to say I like it. So. I thought people were going to say it. I think I was talking about Jesus Christ. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, you brought, you've brought up something good there about you know being able to accept criticism as well, but I think there's is it kind of a, a two way street as well because you know it's it's absolutely fine to give criticism as long as it's constructive but yeah. also sort of highlights the key point. But on the other side, you need to respond to it appropriately. You can't just hurl abuse at somebody. You know you have to sort of acknowledge the point and then you know respond accordingly yeah hmm. Alan you haven't you want to chime in on this so yeah there's a very thin, fine line between criticism and being attacked and that's the point where I think people on social media are missing you know people do rash jump out and they're being attacked and will defend themselves and they're entitled to do so but at the same time if you're going to attack somebody you better be prepared for the consequences and I think that's where people on social media are not prepared for that the same you do in someone's face. If I was to walk up and start using Gary, you know. I'm surprised. It would be, 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 like, be justified. <laughs> but, you do. <laughs> but I decided. Stop, yeah. I decided. <laughs> right, Stephen. Then if I, was I, I, you know, I know if I come up to do it to you to your face, I'm going to be getting something back in return. And I think people need to accept that on social media because it happens face to face. So why shouldn't it happen on social media? You're, you're allowed to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. You're allowed. You're, you're perfectly right. I think the thing with social media is you're allowed to express your opinion as long as, as Dave says, you're, you're doing things in a constructive manner. You know, in terms of when people start getting personal on social media, and that's been sick kind of thing. Just social media in general, I think that's when things kind of go a wee bit too far, especially when they're not provoked. I mean that's where one of the topics which will always divide we talked about deathmatch wrestling we talked about comedy wrestling but one, the one that seems to bring out the worst in some people intergender mm-hmm. that everyone's got their opinion on it very strong opinions on both sides but how people can display that opinion is where it starts to go from healthy to just sheer toxic yeah I've seen some horrendous threads on Twitter with that and yet some of my favourite matches have been intergender some of the best some of the best matches out there have been intergender in my opinion that's where you start to see the misogyny creeping in. Is when you're they're, they're saying certain things. You're like, are you actually saying that about intergender wrestling, or are you actually just saying that because, let's be honest, you probably hate women? One of the best tag. I think that's a bit extreme, Quacko, because like I'm not a fan of intergender. No, but sometimes. But <laughs> no, but sometimes that's what I'm saying. It does creep. But depends. But depends on your depends on your opinion of. I mean, a lot to a lot of people. One of the best independent tag teams around about 2016, 2017 was Joey Ryan and Candice Lurie. Mm-hmm. You know, every day like them. But if it's not your thing, then that's fine. But you just have to express it in a way that's not just being misogynist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You want to show that's people. What I you want to show people an opinion on that? Put on PWG Bucks Lurie Ryan. Candice Lurie is the best intergender female wrestler that ever mm-hmm. graced wrestling. Just for clarification, because of that, I'm not saying that everyone. Yeah, we're not. Call- we're actually not- where intergender is misogynist. I'm just saying. Yeah, we're not calling Gary a misogynist. Yeah, I'm just saying in certain <laughs> aspects when you get into that debate, sometimes some people's misogyny creeps in, and that's what they're driving on. A lot of the one, a lot of the one that kind of gets me that I really hate on social media at times is the the hate of WWE for the sake of hating WWE. You know, yeah. I find at times like obviously Grant's not the biggest WWE fan currently at the moment, but Grant's into a pure wrestling style. Yeah. I particularly I like Raw at the moment. I don't like SmackDown. But I got a lot of people that just say, I don't like I don't like Raw. Raw's terrible. I was like, have you when did you last watch Raw? 
three months ago. How can you say Raw's terrible? Yeah, we were seeing a post fairly recently for somebody saying WWE's not had a good pay-per-view all of 2019. Absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. They've had some really great pay-per-views mm-hmm. in 2019. Some of them haven't been that great either. <laughs> but let's not do them all. And you see, that just Stephen, you're right, because WWE do something and somebody else could do the same thing and WWE get well, flat for it but the ones people like, don't get it WWE sometimes go back on a storyline and they get told oh you mucked up the creative blah blah blah, blah. AEW went back on that Nightmare Collective thing recently and I've seen some people on Twitter going this is amazing AEW have done the right thing to go back on it it's like it's the yeah. exact same thing if you're going to criticise it for that thing criticise it for that one go a level playing field you know mm. that's kind of my thing with it see on that note mm. a big thing with social media I've noticed the biggest heels now, if you're going to say that, the biggest heels in wrestling now is the creative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's something I could agree with there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, but, yeah. Now that I think about it. I think, like, I, I don't mind if somebody criticises things to a degree, but, like, I, there's kind of, as we mentioned, the kind of very heavy AEW and WWE t- uh, times. If they, if you're going to criticise something for that one, you need to kind of judge it. It's what a lot of people don't like when, when uh, I think it was... Elsa said about that Kenny Omega John Moxley death match. It's like I didn't like it, but I'll rate it four and a half. <laughs> it's like that's Where's just logic. That's just rating for the sake of clicks. But no, there's some great debate actually on that particular. And what was a quite a dodgy, controversial topic, guys. So very well done on that one. Some great actual <laughs> talking points there. Let's move on now to something a wee bit different then, and we're going to talk about how social media has changed how we kind of digest wrestling and how we actually take it in. Now, um, Alan, it's quite an, a, a big thing nowadays because. <laughs> We're in 2020. I've nearly said 2019 now. Uh, <laughs> there's still a big push about talking about ratings. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, or as, as the guys have mentioned throughout the show, you're seeing all these things on social media nowadays. And we're digesting it and we're watching it so much differently now than we did 20 years ago. Yeah. The whole ratings war is dead. I know there's a lot of journalists that still post. What? I'm so glad you said that because the AEW NXT name absolutely nonsense. It means nothing because... You know, right, so people can live stream it, like WWE's on, Network NXT's on the, the network, BT Sports doing it, so, and also, people record stuff, I mean, I, I'm not going to set up, like we've said previously, you've said Stephen and Gary, that they're not going to set up the phone in the morning to watch the wrestle. Mm. Do, it for the big, do it for the big fours. Yeah, uh, the big yeah. fours, but not Raw or SmackDown or whatever. So, you're taping it, it's been recorded, or you get it on demand, so ratings counts for absolutely nothing mm-hmm. now. Get I get it back in '99 when it was WCW and WWF going head to head. Yeah, because that's all they had at that time. Now it's nothing. It's more about how you act as a social media poll platform, how you're interacting with your fans, how you're interacting with your marketing, and whoever's the more effective, it will be the more successful. Ratings is dead, and I th- I do feel that a lot of these journalists need to go over this because NXT had two hundred thousand people less watching it. So what? They might be having a dinner. Maybe putting their kids to bed. NXT's on the network. 1.4 million people subscribe to the network who could watch. Say, well, I'm not going to watch watch it on. I'm not going to watch it live in the USA network because I watch it on the network. And that worldwide aspect plays in as well because, you know, these ratings wars is going to be primarily in the US because they're US channels. Whereas us in the UK, we kind of just have to rely on the network. But the thing is, Dave, uh, you talk about kind of the way you kind of, you've got them a different level of accessibility than you did as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you watched it, like in that peak of the attitude era, either you record it on tape, you got the some of the short highlights on Sky one or something like that. Yep. But nowadays, you can go onto YouTube, you 
could go on Facebook, you can go on Twitter, and you can see the highlights of pretty much all the main bits as well, which greatly changes how you actually watch the full product. Definitely. Like, see, um, mid-2000s when I started watching, that my only way of accessing watching the wrestling was on TV. You know, Sky Sports would do shows like Afterburn and Bottom Line, and that's how I would catch my weekly update of Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, I would have a browse of WWE.com every now and again, maybe just try and get a bit more insight. But nowadays, I could literally just pick up my phone, go onto Facebook, and get all the results within seconds. And I do remember recording pay-per-views as well, like on an old sort of, um, like a, a DVD VHS style recorder. And that was literally my only intake of being able to watch the wrestling. I was committed to try and watch it at the same time every week. So, but with all these social media platforms literally covering every base and repeating the same stuff, it, it, I don't know, it kind of takes away the aspect of it a bit, but at the same time, it's useful in that, you know, you can get it all really quickly, but it's so easily accessible, you could be exposing yourself to a lot of spoilers. Yeah, Gary, you were quite critical about the spoilers in the first half of the show. What's your feeling in this kind of, how we did the way wrestling's digested now with this whole... Well, I think if you look at technological advances, they have... Human behaviour has fundamentally changed. So it used to be if you missed Raw on a Friday night when it was on during the Act Studio or on Sky and annoyingly at the same time when Nitro was on Turner Classic Movies at the same time you had to flip back and forth between them because that was the only time they were on that's not the same now but if you think about my point about human behaviour changing we're used to getting things on our own terms now we can pause live TV record things you couldn't do that before get things instantly now nobody wants to wait for anything nobody's got any time for foreplay <laughs> uh, you know, you buy stuff, you get it delivered the same day, and so on. Netflix, you can just binge watch everything. Don't want to wait. Nobody wants to wait for the story to unfold anymore. So Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley, everybody wanted to know what was the point of it. Let the story unfold as we go go through it all. And people's attention spans a lot shorter, hence by you, the behaviour of the panel, as I'm making this Excuse point. Excuse me! I would, I would like to say... I would like to say Gary's views... Gary's views and foreplay do not reflect the views of every other man. Generous time must be given. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that the point that you were trying to pitch in? No, no, I was going to say something else. Go for <laughs> we're talking about the on-demand aspect. There's two promotions I like which don't go into the on-demand aspect schadenfreude the only way to see it is to be there mm-hmm. some people don't like that it's never going to change that's what I love about that secondly PWG the only way you can watch it pretty much for the real up to date is you have to wait for it to come out in DVD and it usually comes out like a month or two after it's been on live in America but mm-hmm. there is an on-demand I think you can watch some of it but you're talking like it's a year a year and a half behind Thank- I think I've got to know as well, Grant. Obviously, you're you're a big fan of a lot of independent promotions and that type of stuff. But with the likes of YouTube now as well, there's so many of the ones that you would not get into without that whole thing about YouTube. I mean, you talked about it on when we talked at the Indie Social Roll Show last last night that you and Quacko are big fans of Riptide, and a lot of the Riptide stuff you watched was on YouTube. Yeah. So they just put up Volter and Mike Mike Bailey. Yeah. Like yesterday, and it is insane. It's Chop versus kicks. Woo! But noises. That's the thing. Uh, see, there are so many matches that you see from different areas of the world. You get your first exposure from it now via YouTube. Yeah, well, it's, it's very difficult to get these matches any other way. No, it's the easiest place to get it because you've not only got the actual 
proper YouTube pages. You've got people at the events doing it as well, like taking photos or streaming on their phone as well. That it's the most easy place, even if it's just like, say Quacker's wanting to describe a match and he's like, oh, you need to go and watch this. Instead of sitting through an entire show on demand, you just go to YouTube and just watch the, watch the clip of the actual match yeah. that they're trying to get you to watch. And it, it's it's the same, like, we had this discussion on the AEW show about Dark mm-hmm. being on YouTube. Um, and again, it's it's there to be accessible, to just watch. Like, I plan on watching it when I go home because it's there. I could just, I could have watched that at any point during the day that I wanted, but because... I want, to, I want to watch it at this particular time, so I have all the power. A good, a, an example I quite like, but tie it back into the kind of marketing idea of things was last year, uh, OTT did that match between, you probably don't know all the other, but some of you have watched it between Jordan Devlin and David Starr. Yeah, five star match. Pretty much, remember they said it was the best match to come out of UK and Irish Isles in 2019. OTT put up for free on YouTube. So, pretty mm. much, some people say that's not a great strategy for your on demand, but. How many more eyes would have gone to that OTT well, product? Yeah, mm. Just the best example if you're talking about anyone, didn't it? TNA. Uh, oh, I can't even speak today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> power. Yeah, power as well on YouTube. Great example. You know, they're completely online. There's no, as far as there's no TV deal online. They've got their own fight, but it's on later. Right. So it's and live on YouTube. But look at the impact they've had, and it's arguably the most over wrestling product. In the world right Super, now, it's a sleeper problem. Sometimes you have to let people sample the product to get them to buy it. There's a reason why Netflix give you a month free subscription. If you've never stayed in a five star hotel, how do you know it's worth paying the money for it? You, you, you need people to sample the product. That was my thing for the Chulip Hotel. Oh, miserably. Give yourself a free night. You're, in a you're hotel. banned <laughs> from booking any hotel ever. <laughs> But the, what are the points of making? So uh, there's some research done on the attention span of millennials, and it's you've got six seconds to grab millennials' attention. That's not a lot of time, and that's where your short videos, your highlights, your instant news comes comes into play. Is that where the and foreplay aspect came in earlier? Yeah, <laughs> straight to action. You're right. You know, people's attention spans have been dwindling mm-hmm. over the last. 10, 20 years. Oh, here's an interesting point for you, actually. Gary talks about the whole millennial type thing. You see with Twitter and social media now, the increase of GIFs. Mm-hmm. you think that helps with wrestling and social media and how you may digest it, just those GIFs type idea? Yes and no. I think it depends on the aspect. If it's like a pop, a big pop move, then it can do because obviously look at that. Why did he do that? So you go looking for why he did that and then you end up watching the match. And if you're hooked and then you end up going for the promotion and so forth and so forth. The other side it is, oh, everyone's talked to me and you go, all right, so I shared a video the other day in our group chat of a guy in a mall jumping off the second story into a ring on top of guys. Mm-hmm. Need it, but you could be like, all right, that was quite cool. But I don't need to go it's see the rest of the match. It's a whole type of like, mm. the, the old GIF thing that like, I've seen, like, Pro, I mean, Progress have tweeted about it, they've got what they call gif and it's usually no more don't than the finish. No more than three or four spots in the match, don't spoil the finish. Mm. And you see it with like, some of the best ones, like Mr. Larry Atto on Twitter being a good example. His mixture of, like, you'll get what is literally just happening in New Japan, then the next you've got World of Sport from, like, the 70s, and you see stuff that you never even think of ever Mr. Larry Atto follow, follows us. On Twitter, <laughs> very, very good thing for it. But another thing I actually said, I would kind of talk about that one aspect of it. I mentioned the whole 
matches going on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But you've also got with Twitter, I know we kind of talked about people interact and say what they like, but if you see people talking about something on Twitter, it kind of, it's you're going, going, to, you're going to go watch it. A great example I remember was like a few years ago of uh, Will Ospreay and Ricochet at the, belt, at the best of the Super Juniors. Absolutely. But they had that match. The flippy, the flippy shit the match. Flippy it, was, stuff. it was called, but Dive. You, you, you heard about that, yeah. And you instantly thought, "Oh, I will see what this is." I know it's, it's exactly that. I mean, as soon as you say, like, I, I minded like Sunday when I was watching News Friday, I messaged Grant. I was like, "This and this and this and this," and you're like, "Chop, chop, 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 chop," and, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Horrible chest after it. Oh. It's like stuff like, it's like that, like or something. Oh, I'll show you the picture afterwards. Yeah, All right, Grant. He, he destroyed his pectoral. <laughs> Darryl, you went up but yeah it's stuff like that I mean as, as long as you if you hype something up mm-hmm. then somebody somewhere like it doesn't matter if you've got a thousand followers or a hundred followers or even five followers right because the minute that see if you talk about anything if you retweet it someone who's on your timeline that may not necessarily be on that person's timeline is going to see it and it's like a wee snowball effect and this is when like you said with putting the matches on YouTube like with David Starr and Jordan Devlin nobody can say that they were half as interested about OTT especially if you weren't familiar with it before until you've seen that because I know for a fact that like even myself I have watched OTT I've followed it it was mainly for research purposes but half the interest came from actually researching it because I didn't know anything about it. You're not going to get an interest unless you're going to put the stuff out there. And it is like a whole, this is why deli counters put out a try before you buy. You get samples of cheese, sample it before you buy it. You mentioned stuff about trying stuff. I mean, kind of, it comes back to how we actually, we definitely watch it. Dave, I'll talk about uh, the whole idea of live streaming now mm-hmm. as a big thing. Something that WWE tried was last year, the year before, with the Mixed Match Challenge. Yeah. You know, it's a different, complete way of trying to get viewers in on a regular basis. Yeah, it's um, the idea with live streaming, you know, I think they did it, I think using the Mixed Match Challenge was a good example because it was a, it was a fairly new product, but it was, you know, something they wouldn't want to give away for free, you know, say like a, a big four pay-per-view or maybe even just a B pay-per-view because they need to make, they still need to make money off it. But this Mixed Match Challenge was definitely more of a laugh and, you know, getting to sample, you know, who these superstars are, what they're like in the ring, but also what their characters are like and see if they can take on a, a comedy aspect of it, obviously, which would appeal to certain people. Quacko. <laughs> um, yeah, I was really pleased with that as well because it was a whole new intrigue with, you know, what they compare to their regular programming. So they don't mind giving away this stuff for free, but it sort of it's a slight twist on what you could be paying for or devoting your time for, i.e. generating ratings for that's something that I've wanted to really, really quickly touch on because I know it's something that we have had a discussion about in the group chat before, but ICW, when they had... I can't remember which show it was, but then they said on the day that they were going to be live-streaming it free on Facebook. Yeah, it was the yeah. Fight Club just before yeah. Fear and Yeah. France. It was France, uh, 2000. France 2000. Yeah. So it, it just sort of goes like... It's, it's trying to find that healthy balance of, yes, yeah, trying to get new eyes on the product... But it's also, see if folk are finding out, oh, you're going to stream it live on Facebook. What's the point of me paying £18 to come down and watch the show for myself when I can just sit at home and 
not have to dress up for other people or socialise. Like it's, lots of people said that on on the well, night. Exa- exactly, they, they bought their tickets on the day because ICW had been pushing buy your tickets on the door. Yeah, and it, it sort of just makes you feel like it kind of feels like a tiny bit of a wasted effort. Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, it is beneficial, but then you've got to look at the other side. It's it's like plenty of people are like, oh, it's pissing the rain, or oh, it's snowing, I can't be bothered coming down, or it's that sort of thing. Or even if you get rejected at the door. You're just like, ah, it's fine, I can go to the pub and watch it watch it live on Facebook. Yeah, um, I don't know, that's a good point why I kind of go off for this one. I mean, WWE kind of does it with YouTube and that one, mm-hmm. and some of the companies do it. Do you like the idea of when companies do pre-shows, that these pre-shows should end up on the sort of like a Facebook or a YouTube? A great example is uh, ICW didn't put the pre-show from Square and Goa up between the Woke Queens <laughs> and Angel Hayes and Kayleigh Ray. The guy said last week on the show, Quacker Sarah said that that was probably better than the women's title match was on that show. Do you think the pre-shows for these type of companies, especially independents, if they're going to do them, should go up on their social media? Yeah, because you're marketing yourself again, you know, and like, with the example of ICW, I know in the podcast we've been quite critical of the women's division and they've been in fresh blood and a lot of people who maybe are involved in the Scottish wrestling scene don't know who Debbie Kytel is. Or the, the Woke Queens. So to see that and see them in the ring with Kayleigh Ray, the UK women's champion, it puts eyes in the product, it helps grow the product, so I think it's a good thing. Great, progress through it, doesn't it? Yeah, progress. Um, I've seen some absolutely fantastic ones doing that. I've seen the likes of the Young Guns who are going to be up for the Source Tag Team Tournament through being at the shows, but they also like to put the pre-show stuff on Facebook or YouTube, and it's it's a great because most of their pre-show stuff is usually guys that are from the local schools, whether it's Knuckle Locks in London, Fighting Spirit, Future Shock, it's a great exposure for them when you're there at the live shows to get you right, sort of warmed up and everything. But it's a great way to get these guys free exposure. So here's a big promotion. Yeah. So they, they, what's the objective of the pre-show? And I think the WWE objective is very different to the ICW objective. But WWE pushed their pre-show out through all the social platforms you can name to get you to buy the pay-per-view or subscribe to the network. ICW's pre-show was to get you to pay for early entry. But, but should they afterwards put it up on a free feed like a YouTube or a Facebook to then encourage you to buy the on-demand and watch the full pay-per-view? Yes. They, they should use some of the content to get you to buy. Yeah, again, it's not, it doesn't it have back, to be the pre-show. It comes back to the whole try before you buy. You know, give yourself a little taster of what to expect. You know, maybe they'll put in, you know, they'll put a big name on there, you know, to sort of say, oh yeah, I recognise that person. Or they'll put a title match on, you know, give a little bit of suspense, a little bit of uh, excitement. That is probably what's going to sell, you know, people to try and take that step up and either get the on-demand service or subscribe to a network. And... You know, people, you know, often complain that, you know, the pre-show is meant to be just for exhibition matches, but now that we've sort of brought it out in the open, I actually think having a marquee match on the pre-show, whether it be with a big name or a title match, that's actually a big selling point, you know, for trying to get people to invest more in their product. So Dave touched upon what I was actually wanting to talk about. It's, we've said plenty of times when we joke that we can't stand Pat McAfee and like we all know that we Stephen can't stand Sam Roberts. Even though it looks like him. <laughs> but it, I, can, I, can, I can't pull off the hair. Like it comes back to it sometimes makes you feel like the pre-show isn't worthwhile because there's personalities on it that yes you may not agree with or that are stupid or I mean in my opinion that they're stupid. I mean the last time I I watched the Royal Rumble 
pre-show because Christian was on it. That is the only reason that I watched that round. You all pre-show. watched the SummerSlam pre-show to see me. I uh, see. Even yeah. that. Aye, uh, we did yeah, we that. that it's, yeah. it's like you'll sit and watch, like, like see if you know that someone's going to be there. And then you're like, I nay bother. But when it comes to like putting it out on social media, it's like you've got to look at it two ways. Yeah, you're aiming towards the internet audience. But at the same time, what's to stop the fans that are at the arena streaming it while they're waiting on getting merch? Mm, it's a true one. Because you're trying to attract them into the arena because everyone complains about the fact that, like Dave said, it's supposed to be for exhibition matches when it, it really isn't. It's just, it always feels like a demotion when, you're, when you are put on the pre-show because, yeah, you've got the people at home watching it, but they may not necessarily be watching it. It might just be background noise. Or you've got like a half empty arena where it's not going to feel like you're going to get over uh, like an actual storyline the way you want it to happen because there's no reactions going on. It is a bit of a catch-22 and it's something that I don't think anyone could ever win with. Uh, totally, but just in the general aspect to round up guys on uh, putting content out on social media other than that, it's a good idea to do some sort of utilisation of it, yes? I think yeah. so. When yeah. it's done appropriately, and you know, when we've talked out loud, I think, yeah, actually, it's really beneficial. Yeah, excellent. So, with that, that kind of brings to a conclusion our discussion of social media and wrestling. I think that was a very good debate on each of those topics, guys. I think it's something probably could be worth a bit more revision in some sort of written form on suplexretweet.com. Mm-hmm. Pull out viscerous highlights on social every bloody time. <laughs> Quacko mentioned him earlier on. Why do I still do four way fatal with you? That is below the belt. That is below the belt. We can soon solve that, Dave. (laughs) We're close to setting up a charity single just to free Gary from you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get down. David Campbell will make that happen. Don't worry. Hell in a cell. No, thank you, thank you guys for joining in that discussion tonight on social media and wrestling. If you're listening for the first time and enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to us. We are available on all good podcasting platforms, uh, iTunes, Android, Spotify sites, and Spotify, and so much more. You can also find our bonus feed, Suplex Retweet Extra, where you can hear four-way fatal with Gary, maybe not Dave soon. <laughs> <laughs> and all the great content is on now. We've got Albergo Graps with Quacko and Sarah. We've got Indie Sausage Roll with me and Grant. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. What, what, what effectively you've done is we, Sarah and I bought a sausage roll and then threw it in the bin. You guys be the scroungers, you are picked it back up. I can. We always talk Sorry. about, you know, Contents originality. Get some originality. Oh, shush, shush, shush. Sh- sh. uh, you can follow <laughs> no. us. You can follow us on social media. I'm going to put this out. Who's better? Indie Sausage Roll or Albuquerque Graps? Go on it right now. If you put it out, the vote for you. Uh, follow, follow, follow us on social media. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at SuperplexRetweet. You can also find us on YouTube where we've got so good, much great content there, including our Freeze Fix 6-5 Championship, brilliantly orchestrated by Alan McLucas. Alan, we've got some good stuff coming out from that series. Oh, there's some twists. <laughs> <laughs> all that to come on our YouTube. Just search for Eat, Sleep, Simplex, Retweet, and you can also go to simplexretweet.com where you can get all our content there, plus some of the art, because we've got our latest ones, a cracking one from Quacko, talking about what can come next following the square goal from ICW. Yeah. <laughs> on the spot <laughs> read it <laughs> all that's left to do tonight is to thank my panel first of all Sarah Grief full album graps <sighs> David Talkman Wednesday Night Wars 2 Place Retweet Extra catch it out <laughs> <laughs>
Moan the sausage Grant roll. Grant and Robbie. Alan McLucas. Moan the 365 title. Gary Gillan. I feel like I've overshared tonight, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to feel that an awful lot. That's too I'm much for I'm you. I'm a bit worried. You're going home to get therapy from your son. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, Quacko sucks. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> And Quacko Adjin? Six second foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Stephen Wilson and I'll see you next week. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of dick tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now!